Welcome to MTSU on the Record. I'm Jenna Logue, and we're coming to you from the campus of Middle Tennessee State University in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Jason Martin will not tell you how to exercise leadership in the library, but he will give you the machete with which you can blaze your own trail. It's a workbook published by the American Library Association titled Library Leadership Your Way. Jason, who is Associate Dean of the James E. Walker Library, has compiled a collection of philosophy, best practices, and exercises to help library personnel lead a workforce with a wide variety of intellectual abilities and personality types. Library leadership, after this. Here are some of the headlines making news at mtsunews.com, the university's news and information website. MTSU and the American University of Kurdistan are teaming up to create a new international partnership allowing students to take classes at both institutions to reach their educational goals. MTSU wordmark representatives for the universities signed a memorandum of understanding this week on the AUK campus in Duhok in the Kurdistan region of Iraq. With it, AUK and MTSU students can take classes and complete their bachelor's degrees at either campus. Dr. Peter Cunningham, MTSU Vice Provost for Academic Programs, joined American University of Kurdistan Provost Nazar Newman July 25th to sign the agreement in a special ceremony. And MTSU's world-renowned Department of Aerospace set up base July 23rd at EAA Air Venture, a massive week-long celebration of aviation in Oshkosh, Wisconsin. The annual signature event of the Experimental Aircraft Association is the annual convention and fly-in for the 200,000-plus member aviation organization. For MTSU News at any time, go to mtsunews.com. Jason, welcome. Thanks for being with us. Well, thank you. It's a pleasure to be here, and, and thank you for having me. Why did you design the book in a workbook format for the reader to write answers to questions, uh, some of which demand a considerable amount of introspection? Yeah, I looking around at the leadership literature, um, a lot of it says if you want to be a good leader, you know, do these three things or, you know, do, act this way and say these things. And I thought there was some value in those, but some of the time uh, we might not be as leaders. Um, we might be good at the two of those three things, you know, and, and or saying certain something in a certain way isn't exactly who we really are. And so I thought there's some value in it, but I think, you know, leadership is really a personal practice. Um, and there and there might be some general things that we should all do as leaders, but I designed it this way so that people could be purposely introspective. Because to me, when it comes down to leadership, and it's really about why you want to be a leader and what purpose you have and what meaning you find in leadership. And if you have that down and you've got that um, uh, there and that's secure and you know your reasons why, um, I think you can move on and you can be a really effective leader. Um, and so that's why I designed it in this, this workbook format and, and to try to get people to be introspective and really think deeply about why they wanted to do this. And, and once you get that why there, you know, then, then the how and the what's really easy. The why is the foundation for everything. A lot of people hold uh, workshops on leadership all the time, various kinds of leadership. And uh, people pay a lot of money to go to these conferences, and some of them are, are very good and uh, very worthwhile. And then there are others that uh, have you 
perform these inane sorts of touchy-feely mm-hmm. exercises, mm-hmm. like try to guess your the, the favorite three colors of the person opposite you or see if you can scratch your head and pat your stomach at the mm-hmm. same time. They, they're along the level of those of that kind of inanity. Mm-hmm. But this gets right to the heart of the matter. This this does not dumb it down. This appeals to the intellect. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, and, I, and I hope so. I hope it appeals to the to the intellect, but also in many ways to the heart as well. I mean, when you're, you're talking about, you know, being a leader, and it doesn't matter if you're a leader in libraries or uh, law firms or, or, you know, wherever, being a leader, I mean, it's it's a lot of hard work, can be a lot of emotional work. And so it's, it's appealing to the intellect, but I think it's also appealing deep down to that, um, that part of you, that emotional center that's talking about why is it that I want to do this? Why do I want to work these 60 hours this week or work this weekend uh, to get this project done or, or get these reviews written? Well, when you have that why there in place, um, that again, you know, having that why is, is what leads you and what motivates you um, to do this work. So I think it does appeal to the intellect. And I, and I do, you know, talk about a lot of literature in there and what the research has found. Um, but I think there's also an emotional appeal in there as well. Because I've spoken to you before about emotional intelligence and it's a role as a component in library leadership. But the uh, I guess the point I'm trying to make is that even the emotional intelligence mm-hmm. exercises in this book are relevant. You don't feel as though you're sitting there doing worthless navel-gazing or engaging mm-hmm. in some sort of, of, of stupid little party exercise right, as yeah. though you'd just been invited to a baby shower and you had to do yeah. those stupid games, yeah. you know. The emotional intelligence exercises are a lot more than just navel-gazing. Mm-hmm. They're, they're relevant totally to the t- task at hand. Yeah. Well, well, thank you, and I'm glad that you found them that way um, to, to be relevant. And, and I, I see, the go, yeah, you go to a lot of these uh, or some of these workshops, and, like, icebreakers are good, but then it's, like, half the workshop are icebreakers, you know, the, these kinds of things. And so I think this really, yeah, it does try to really kind of cut through all that and really get to the, to, the, to the core of what it is that you're doing and, and what you're trying to accomplish as a leader. We've, uh, we've talked before about emotional intelligence, as I just said. Where does emotional intelligence fit into the picture if you are going to be uh, a manager uh, or an official of some kind in a library? I think it's it's a huge part because so much of leadership is being able to build relationships with the people um, in the library. Um, and, and those strong personal relationships with those who report directly to you and then also some, some good relationships, at least good working relationships with everybody you know, in the library. And that's where emotional intelligence comes in. Emotional intelligence is the ability you know, to be aware of your own emotions and manage them and then to be aware of others and help them manage their emotions. And that's where relationship building comes in. You know, if you're aware of yourself and you can manage your emotions, then you're able, people find you approachable, people find you that they can, they can trust you and they can start, because that's what relationships are about, trust. And they can start to build those, those relationships with you. And if you understand that other person, you can build those relationships with them. Um, and so I think emotional intelligence is maybe, you know, that kind of is the foundation. It kind of runs through everything that you talk about when you talk about leadership. Um, because, like I said, those relationships are so, so important and so critical for library leaders and any kind of leaders. We'll take a break here. We'll return in a moment. This is MTSU on the record.
NTSU's Jewish and Holocaust Studies minor offers undergraduate students a chance to study the culture and religion of the Jewish people and the Holocaust in an interdisciplinary program. Studies include history and culture, theology and philosophy, and the arts and social sciences. Courses tackle vital topics central to local and global awareness, including multiculturalism and the meanings of diversity, religious tolerance, and genocide. For the latest MTSU news and information, go to mtsunews.com. The Experiential Learning Scholars Program at MTSU gives students a chance to go outside the classroom and obtain hands-on experience in their chosen fields of study. They'll have the opportunity to give something back to the community through service learning as they gain acceptance for graduate study. Students should be able to select EXL-designated courses from major requirements and general studies requirements to complete the 16 to 18 hours of EXL coursework. For all of the latest MTSU news and information, go to mtsunews.com. The book is called Library Leadership Your Way, published by the American Library Association, and Jason Martin is the author. He's associate dean of the James E. Walker Library. You mentioned several different approaches to leadership for the readers to consider, and it's not a one-size-fits-all situation. Let's examine a few of them. First, contingency theory, if you would define that for us. Yeah, so contingency theory um, is the idea that not everybody is the right um, leader for the right um, organization. That An organization at a particular place and time needs a particular kind of leader. Um, uh, this is where the expression, it has to be a good fit, comes from. Yeah, yeah, a large part of that, yeah. So if, if you're, again, if you're a library, and let's say you're undergoing a lot of financial strain and trouble, and you're looking to hire a new director, a new dean, you really want somebody who's really good at managing financial um, crises, who's really good with a tight budget, who's just really fiscally responsible and good with that. Um, but when you come out of that situation and you're in a situation where you're now financially secure and you've got a good solid budget, that director might not be the best person anymore to lead that library um, because their skill set is now different than what it is that your your current library needs. They were really effective here in the past, but now you're in a different situation and you need, might need a different leader. How about situational leadership? So situational leadership um, is the idea that how you act as a leader differs in the situation that you're in. So if you are leading a group of people who are very experienced and and very skilled, you need to have a very hands-off approach. Um, you need to empower them to do what their expertise allows them to do. Don't be um, a micromanager. Don't, yeah, don't be a micromanager. You know, you don't need to explain things to them in detail. They They know what they understand. You just need to support them and make sure they can get that project and that work done. And that's going to be different than when you turn around and you've got a group of new people who aren't experienced, they aren't as skilled. They're going to need some more direction and some more guidance, some more explanation. You might have to be a little more in the weeds with them to help them along. And let's distinguish between situational leadership and situational ethics. Uh, I do not personally care for leaders who exercise situational ethics, by which I mean they treat some employees better than others and some employees worse than others, and they forego the stated mission of what everybody in the office is trying to achieve when they encounter a situation where it might be tough to employ 
that mission. Your, your values and your principles are non-negotiable. Your values and your principles are with you all the time. They guide every single thing that you do in your life. And so those aren't up for compromise. Those aren't up for situational changes. Um, it's just about how you approach and how you would lead that group of people. Um, you're going to treat them as, as equals. Um, you're going to display the same kind of values and the same um, uh, care and, and the same you know concern for everybody. Um, but how you actually approach leading them and helping them get their work done is just going to be different. What about leader member exchange? Yeah, so this is an interesting thing. So the, the idea that um, if you're a leader of an organization and you have um, your followers in the organization, um, not all of them have the same kind of goals. Um, so you have some followers who might want to um, be leaders one day themselves. They might want to take over an organization, a library, um, and run that. And then you have other folks who want to come in. And, you know, they do their job. They do a good job. Um, but their their goal is just to kind of sort of be maybe the best librarian they can. But they want to just keep working as a reference librarian or a catalog or wherever. Um, so the idea is that as a leader then looks at. Um, these individuals and and determines what their goals are and what their their needs are and then there's this idea of this exchange between the two so if you have um, people the librarians who want to be library leaders one day then as the library leader yourself you have a different amount level of exchange with them so you're going to mentor them and coach them and help them become library leaders so that one day they can go off and be associate deans and deans and directors and all that sort of stuff mm-hmm. um, with those who aren't interested in that kind of thing or interested again in saying you know just being a good reference librarian and uh, you know a good cataloger then you're working with them um, to help facilitate that. And so it's just a different level of exchange and a different type of support and help that you're giving these kind of different groups of of people in the library. Are some leaders reluctant to mentor employees for fear that that person might replace them someday, that they are so insecure that they they, they feel that they'd be creating their own retirement or their own dismissal if they mentor somebody. I think there's a lot of people like that. I think there's a lot of people who take pride in saying something like, no one else in this organization, no one else in this library can do my job, can do what I do. And the fact is, is that that's true. That means you're not going to go anywhere. You're going to be in this position for a very long time. Um, and so the idea, I think, is that everybody should mentor and coach themselves right out of a job, that you should mentor and coach everybody as if they're going to replace you because eventually, you know what, they're not. I mean, they're, they're going to go on and do their own wonderful things and their own great things. And when they're going to ask who helped me, you, they're going to talk about you. Um, and then they're going to work to help other people the same way that you help them. Um, you know, giving and, and, and taking care of people and mentoring and coaching that does not deplete you. That only grows you. Um, and, and so it's a shame that people have that mindset that, well, I don't want to do too much with this person and help them because one day they're going to come after my job. Um, then you're probably not a good leader anyway. You probably shouldn't have that job in the first place. Um, so mentor and coach yourself right out of a job, I think, is the best mindset and best way to go. I, I find that particular style of leadership in a lot of top-down managers, mm-hmm. yeah. those who insist on being uh, providing directions and expecting them to be complied with mm-hmm. rather than encouraging a bottom-up type right. of feedback from yeah. employees. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with that. And, and, and all of that, I think, stems from a lot of insecurity. 
if you're secure in who you are, and that's a lot of what the workbook is, figuring out who you are and who you are as a leader, and you're secure in that, and you've got that knowledge and you're safe in that, then, you know, you're, you're not going to have these kind of worries that, oh, you know, um, you know somebody's going to replace me or, you know, they didn't do it exactly like I said that, you know, for them to do it. Mm-hmm. But, hey, you know what, it got done, and maybe it got done in a better way because they had a different perspective on this. If you have that security as a leader, then, you know, that's just kind of sort of water off a duck's back. You're not even going to you know, worry about that. You're just happy that, you know, your organization's running really well, your library's doing great, and and your librarians are growing as people and as professionals. And what about transformational leadership? The transformational leadership um, is leaders who use the four I's. You have individualized um, consideration, idealized behavior, um, inspirational motivation, and intellectual stimulation. Um, And so leaders, they are, in fact, transforming organizations. Um, They're coming in and they're facilitating a lot of change. They're leading an organization into a new way of thinking and doing and being um, by using those four eyes, by acting as a role model, um, by encouraging people to think of new ways to solve problems, um, by really motivating them, and by understanding what it is that they want, what their goals are, what their needs are, and being helping them to meet those those goals and those needs. And the idea in, in transformational leadership, again, not only are we transforming the organization, you're transforming the people in the organization, and you're helping all of them become leaders themselves. So you have leaders throughout the organization, even if they don't formally have that title, um, they are kind of intellectual leaders, thought leaders. They, they can, they're the people you can go to, and they can influence their colleagues, um, you know, in a positive way and move in a positive direction. Time for another break. We'll return in just a moment. This is MTSU on the record. The Middle East Center at MTSU seeks to promote greater understanding of the politics, history, and culture of this vitally important region of the world. Its mission includes the promotion of outreach programs and faculty research. The center sponsors lectures by Middle East experts and scholarly exchanges. We're especially pleased to offer a new interdisciplinary minor in Middle East studies with courses in Arabic and Hebrew. This is Dr. Alan Hibbard, Center Director. For all the latest MTSU information, go to mtsunews.com. The Intercultural and Diversity Affairs Center helps to promote awareness and understanding of the wide variety of cultures represented at MTSU. The center provides information, referrals, and resources. Additionally, IDAC tries to make students from different cultures feel welcome and comfortable on campus so they can have every opportunity to fulfill their academic, social, and personal potential. For all the latest MTSU news and information, go to mtsunews.com. Jason Martin is our guest. He's associate dean of the James E. Walker Library and author of Library Leadership Your Way, which is a workbook for people who are library leaders or would like to be library leaders to uh, help them examine themselves and what exactly it is they want. Uh, The very variety of leadership styles that you mention in the book implies there's no one particular style of leadership that's best for a library, but the title is Library Leadership Your Way. So does that mean that library leadership in and of itself is unique in some way by comparison to leadership in other academic Mm -hmm. pursuits or leadership in areas outside of academia? In other words, I guess that's a long way of asking if if, if your workbook could be adaptable to leadership questions in other professions? I I think it absolutely could. I think you could take the word library out of there and replace it with really anything or just 
you know, leave it blank and just say leadership your way. And I think many of these um, are applicable to anybody, again, whether you're in, in leadership in academia or schools or your leadership in, you know, your, your community, your church, your, your law firm, your, your, you know, garbage pickup service, whatever it is. Um, I think these principles um, apply across anybody who's interested in being a leader. Do the same principles and exercises apply regardless of the size of the library or whether the library is public or private? Do these things matter with regard to the uh, exercises and the approach you take in the book? I, I don't think it matters when it comes to the exercises um, and it comes to the approach because so much of this is about working on yourself um, as a leader. But some of the, some of the um, ideas in there about leadership that you might want to adapt and might want to use, you need to, to scale. So the idea of creating personal relationships with um, the people in the library. There are some library leaders that have, that oversee, that lead a library of you know, maybe 15 people. Mm -hmm. And so there you can go and you can have personal relationships with all 15 people. I mean, you can really get to know people and, and really develop those kind of. Um, they all the, probably live right there in your hometown. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And they're all there and you might see them at the grocery store or, or wherever you happen to go. Um, if you, but if you just look at you know the James E. Walker Library here, we have close to 70 people that work in the library. And now that becomes very difficult to to have personal relationships with everybody. Um, there we have people who, you know, don't come in until say like 6 p.m. and they work till 2 a.m. And so that becomes more difficult. So I think then you have to know how to scale that and say, well, I'm going to develop these personal relationships with the people who maybe directly report to me and those people who are, say, in the administrative suite because they're my support team and, and, and they're the people who can really help me get the, you know, the work of the library done to have the vision accomplished and, and, and to meet our mission and our goals. Um, and then what you can then do is mentor those direct reports, those department heads, those ADs, and, and coach them so that they can then develop personal relationships with the people in their departments as well. Um, so I think a lot of the, the principles apply. It's just a matter of scaling some of these things when you put them into practice. If it's a city library or a county library, the patrons are going to be the general public. Mm, right. But if it's a library that is actually part of another entity, say a newspaper, mm -hmm. for example, right. or uh, some sort of a business that requires a library, uh, maybe a legal firm, mm. great big legal firm, uh, your clientele is different. Right. The patrons are different. So does that change the way you approach leadership? Um, I, I don't think it fundamentally alters it. I, I again, and you talk about emotional intelligence. I think what this is where a lot of that plays in is understanding the the who your your clientele are, who your users are, and understanding what it is um, that they want and need from the library, and understanding those things, and then you can set about to lead and create a library that meets those needs. And so, yes, if you're in a law firm um, and you're you're a librarian there. Um, you know, the lawyers and the paralegals you deal with are going to have a very different set of wants and needs and expectations than, you know, your city, city public library. Um, but it's really just a matter of understanding what those are so that you can meet those, those needs and expectations. Um, but I think that you, you still kind of approach in the same way, build these relationships, understand the people that I'm working with, understand my users, come, you know, develop that respect and, and help them, um, get the information that they need and to um, just have the best experience that they can. Did you intend for the book to be distributed at conferences or used by individuals in the privacy of their own homes or offices or both? 
I think um, a little bit, yeah, a little bit of all that. Um, I think you can you can buy this book and use it on your own um, and work through this um, on your own time. Um, you could also use this in a classroom setting um, for um, any library schools that were teaching classes on leadership and management. Could also be used um, in workshops, and, and I led a, a pre-conference workshop at the beginning of June at a at a national conference that was based on this book um, and. So it can be used in, in all those different ways, you know, again, group settings, classroom, or individual use. It's a paperback book that was intended to be written in, uh, uh, not very thick and relatively inexpensive. So you could buy it in bulk, and yeah. uh, I'm sure if you have a library uh, or work at a library, you could get a bulk rate from ALA. Um, you, you probably could, um, and if you talk to them and um, – I'm always happy too to come out and lead workshops at anybody's library if they're interested in in doing that. Um, you can get in touch with me because um, I really enjoy that and really enjoy teaching and leading these kind of workshops. and And it really helps people. And it helps people to we sit around and talk about leadership and you talk about things that are going on in people's libraries and the connections that you make and the understanding that you help um, people come to is is really rewarding and I enjoy it very much. Is it going to be used? Uh, by personnel at the James E. Walker Library in any formal capacity? Um, I, you know, that remains to be seen. Um, I, don't, I don't know if it's going to be any formal. There's usually these kinds of um, sort of ethics around, you know, making your students buy the textbook that you wrote. Right. Um, so I, I don't know if uh, we, we want to uh, make the people in the library um, buy this book. But uh, I got some free copies. Maybe I get some people that I, I really like. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> but if they want to use it on their own to mm-hmm. uh, explore individually sure. uh, and they buy it of their own volition, that's perfectly fine. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. If, if you're interested in, in, in this book and you're interested in, in learning what I have to say about leadership, not just what I have to say, I should say learning about leadership and how you can develop and become um, your own leader and kind of the become the best leader that you can, I, I think it's, it's a good resource and you definitely should check it out on your own. Ironically, since it was intended to be written on, it, this is not the kind of book that you would find in a library. Yeah, uh, typically, yeah, you don't find this kind of book in, in a library um, mm-hmm. because people like to, to write in it and, mm-hmm. and do some things to it. People but, do enough writing in library books as it is. Yeah, yeah, that doesn't stop them from just writing and highlighting, uh, you know, regular books. <laughs> so... <laughs> Library Leadership Your Way by Jason Martin is available from the American Library Association, which is based in Chicago, and the website is www.alastore.org. And the phone number is 1-866-SHOP-ALA, S-H-O-P-A-L-A. And you can contact Jason at jason.martin at mtsu.edu. Jason, thanks for being our guest today. Thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure. We'll be right back. The American Democracy Project is a nonprofit initiative which strives for greater voter registration and civic participation among young people at MTSU and at campuses nationwide. Through encouragement from professors and peers, young adults are shown the value of being more active citizens in their community, their state, and their nation. ADP seeks to nurture programs that raise the campus community's level of engagement with society. For all the latest MTSU news and information, go to mtsunews.com. 
The mission of the June Anderson Center for Women and Non-Traditional Students is to provide education, advocacy, direct services, outreach, and programming for the MTSU campus and surrounding community on gender-related issues. The center also assists older students who are trying to balance work, college, and family. It also sponsors a monthly legal clinic, career brown bag series, book club, and a newsletter twice a year. For all of the latest MTSU news and information, go to mtsunews.com. Gina Fan has the middle moment. A young pair of old-time mid-state fiddling wizards are the latest musicians captured on 21st century digital CD for the MTSU Center for Popular Music's Spring Fed Records label. Center director Greg Reich has some details. There's going to be an Austin Berry Berry section of the album, and there's going to be a, a Tater Carruthers section of the album, but we, we thought it would be just a shame if we didn't record something together. So they recorded two tracks together and it was just unbelievable. High energy, just what we call a barn burner. So really, really exciting. This is true vine Tennessee fiddling from the up and coming generation that is keeping this tradition alive and well. That's MTSU on the record. I'm Jenna Logue. Thanks for listening. MTSU On The Record, a news and information program about Middle Tennessee State University, is produced by the university's Marketing and Communications Office, which is solely responsible for its content. Read more about MTSU at our website, mtsunews.com. Podcasts of this program are available at mtsunews.com and on iTunes.